0: you are listening to marvel's pull list for new marvel comics on sale march 16 2022 i am ryan Padagos, aka agent m and
1: i'm jasmine estrada yes jasmine we are so close to the official beginning of spring I mean just because it's spring it doesn't mean it's quite that warm yet i know i know and then it's gonna um, be all rainy and muddy Ugh.
0: that's okay positive vibes only positive
1: vibes only no you don't have a dog you don't understand what it's like to walk a dog in mud I mean, I've had dogs. I know what that's like. I take it back then. Yeah. Uh, I have a child
0: who she sees a puddle or any sort of thing, and she's not just, like, jumping in the mud. She's picking it up and, like, throwing it at herself (laughs) and me and, and her face just because she's like, it's funny. Is this not funny? It is very funny. It is. It's not funny. It's not. (laughs) I mean, it's definitely a little funny, but it's not funny. We don't (laughs) tell her that. Uh, But hey, we are not here to talk about mud and children and pets. We are here to talk about the brand new Marvel Comics on sale this week. We got plenty of picks for you. We've got awards to give out. We've got new comics to tell you about coming to Marvel Unlimited, new Infinity Comics collections, hitting your local comic shop, so much more, including a really fun reading club. Who are we talking to this week?
1: We're talking to Michael Boxleitner. And uh, you might know him from his role on Marvel's Wastelanders, Black Widow, um, which is available now wherever you get your podcasts. But he decided to join us. He's a huge Spider-Man fan. And he brought us a recommendation that was very near and dear to my heart, which was Superior Spider-Man.
0: We'll be talking more about that later on. Uh, Lots more to get to. but. We need to roll into our picks of the week because we've got some really great books. Uh, I'm going to kick things off with my first pick, which is Reckoning War Trial of the Watcher number one. This is a comic book completely created in a lab for me. It is like, <laughs> it's like, okay, he likes this, he likes this, he likes this. We're going to put them all in this one formula for him. It is written by Dan Slott, a friend and one of my favorite writers. It is drawn by Javier Rodriguez, one of my favorite artists, lettered by VCs Joe Caramagna, who is a ding dang delight of a human, one of my favorite people in comics. And it features the Watcher. Love me some Watcher. It features big cosmic weird stuff. Love that. And it is kind of a a surprise what if issue which is my all-time favorite Marvel thing. And in this issue, it ties into the big Reckoning War storyline that Dan Slott is writing in the pages of Fantastic Four, wherein the Watchers, uh, way, way, way back in time, had made a big mistake done some bad stuff, got involved when they shouldn't have got involved. And those dummies. Yeah. Almost destroyed all of reality through their actions and the repercussions of their actions. I'm sort of boiling it down. You guys should all be reading the fantastic four reckoning war stuff right now. But with that going on in the pages of fantastic four, Uatu, the watcher that we know is here in this issue, talking to other watchers and they're, they're going through stuff and they're like, when this is called the trial of the watcher, Basically, Uatu is put on trial by his peers, his dad, who is kind of like a stone cold jerk. He's so mean. I know. But the idea here is that the other watchers are trying to prove a point to Uatu. Like, bro, you keep getting involved in things. That's not what we do. If you didn't get involved, maybe stuff would kind of work itself out. Maybe people would progress or events would happen without you getting involved and he's like no 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 believe me believe me i i need to to do this i need to get involved in all this stuff and they're like okay all right we're gonna show you there is a beautiful double page sequence in this issue where the group of watchers pulls a variety of different realities that uatu has touched and show him these and like these are ones that you've meddled with these are just some of them But it's basically a great excuse to get uh, Javier Rodriguez to draw a Hulk as a barbarian, Silver Surfer with the Infinity Gauntlet, Venom and Punisher together, The Fantastic Five, Captain America's President, uh, Wolverine, Lord of the Vampires, and Doctor Doom, Sorcerer Supreme, which are just terrific what-if issues you can read from both volumes and that you should go check out on Marvel Unlimited. It is, oh man, it's so good. The big conceit here is what if the Watcher had never interfered? And it goes back to the first time we see the Watcher in the 616 Marvel Universe when Watcher shows up and gets involved in the coming of Galactus. And the story just follows like, what if the didn't do that, didn't get Johnny Storm to get the ultimate nullifier, didn't talk to Reed, didn't get involved with any of the Fantastic Four stuff? It is both a classic feeling story. Oh, yes. It feels like it's a Stan and Jack era tale, but also completely contemporary and feels like a modern Marvel title. It is it is somehow so perfectly resonant in both eras, which is, I think, kudos to the, the main creators here, Dan Slott and Javier Rodriguez, who do just that. They straddle those lines of classic and modern so perfectly well. Javier Rodriguez, I've talked ad nauseum about oh on the show.
1: God. His work on this book is like you were talking about that double page spread Mm -hmm. there's that one scene where reed is in his lab and yes are you going to talk about it go for it yeah
0: i had pulled up a page because reed is in his lab and he's got this giant telescope and he's looking through the telescope and there's a, a million ways one could draw this page but the way that javier draws it is this giant telescope that looks like a piece of kirby machinery and we don't see reed looking through the telescope we see the telescope coming out into the foreground really huge but reed's eye is visible in the telescope and it's just this visual representation of what's going on that is so stunning so spectacular and is one of those ways in which you can take a mundane scene as uh, as someone looking through a telescope and turn it into something vibrant and cool and special and it is a giant credit To these creators or the way that Javi draws Ben Grimm, the thing, Mm -hmm. the, the expression, the way his eyes sort of move, his body language when he's fighting the silver surfer, when he's brooding. There's a million ways that this book wows me from like top to bottom. This is going to be one of my favorites of the year without question.
1: Easily, like you, you said it best, like it does balance the uniqueness of like something that's old and cherished. Like it, this is a very much a love letter to that classic story. It was great. I love this. I love this issue so much.
0: Agreed.
1: All right, next up, we have Amazing Spider-Man number 92. Bay. Beyonce. And this one is written by a couple different writers as well as a couple different artists because it is four different stories in one issue. It's written by Jed McKay, Cody Ziegler, and Zeb Wells with art by Luigi Zagaria, Bruno Oliveira, Fran Galan and Mark Bagley with Wayne Foucher. And each of these stories are unique in their own, but they kind of conclude a certain aspect of the Beyond era that we've been following with Ben Riley and Spider-Man. And the first story, I want to talk about this book nonstop. Like, this is my favorite story because it brings in Monica Rambeau into the story and it, it very much feels like a next wave issue. It is Monica Rambeau taking out all these monsters that are inside the Beyond Corporation that we last saw in issue 92 of amazing spider-man it is monica rambeau at her most badass like it is peak monica rambeau like again proving that she is one of the most powerful avengers out there she also bumps into machine man who oh my god machine man like poor machine man but also like not sorry for him he's a little he's in a little slump right now jacasa just dumped him like he's not feeling it but she's bringing the team together. She also quickly mentions like where the other teammate members of Next Wave are. We get a quick aside from like her being like, "Yeah, I keep tabs on everybody, including Tabby." But then the second story. Oh, remember Doug, the guy who you know was cool with Spider Man and like got attacked by Doctor Octopus. Well, now he's in an office with HR because he's getting fired, and it's like a quick one on one, almost like an exit interview. But it is the funniest thing ever. It's not even what two pages long, and. It made me laugh so much and I got I felt very seen because at one point the the HR person is like, You spent a lot of time, like, you know, using a lot of our research and development to buy sneakers. And he's just like, Yeah, like I gotta get the sneaker bots, like I gotta get the bots to get these sneaker drops. Like, how else am I supposed to get these shoes? And I'm like, I've never related more to a character in a comic book in my entire life. He's just hilarious, but also the way that this story ends kind of alludes to that maybe we might see a little bit more of Doug in the future, which makes me really excited. Yeah. And then the last two stories are about the Slingers and kind of just finishing off where they left off in their little one-shot issue. Again, tying the loose ends, like them taking on the Beyond Corporation, where they stand with the Beyond Corporation. And then the final story is an interesting one. If you remember in last week's episode, we were talking about a particular team-up that was really strange and caught me off guard, but like I was into it. This is more of that, except instead of the vampire lizard creature that we saw before it's a different character that is very much related to that and is very much in the same vein
0: yeah some good teases for the future of spider-man comics somewhere down the line i'm excited for all that stuff um i'm also excited for us to get to the very end ...of the big Wolverine story where it's almost over. I have X-Deaths number five, but I've been holding off. I don't want it to end. But this week we do have to talk about my second pick, which is Ten Lives of Wolverine number five. This is the final part of this side of the series. And it is written by Benjamin Percy, art by Joshua Cassara, colors by Frank Martin, letters and production by VCs Corey Pettit. And as soon as I finish this issue... I texted Ben and Josh and uh, along with some cursing, I said, I need a steak (laughs) and a whiskey. And this was at like two o'clock in the afternoon. And Josh was like, I approve of your day drinking after this. Ben is like, yes, let's, let's have some steak and whiskey together, which is something I look forward to. But man, this is a book. This is something else. This is if Johnny Cash were to have done some like black metal, this is the book that would come of it. So I'm like,
1: but also like a music video directed by Quentin Tarantino.
0: Yeah. With a little bit of that in there for sure. It is just, the mud and the blood and the beer, but it's like also loud and terrifying and thunderous and bloody and vicious and emotional but in an artistic way. Yes. Yeah, it, it, sure. <laughs> it's it's all art, right? This is all art. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's freaking great comics, man. It's you got Wolverine fighting the big fight. There's this time travel story of Mikhail Rasputin. And Omega Red trying to stop the mutant nation of Krakoa from rising, and Wolverine and Professor Xavier and Gene Gray saying, No, we will not step back and stop our march. We will push forward. We will stop the traitors. Like all this, there's a lot of cool political stuff in here that's been building over the last two years. But ultimately, it comes down to a gnarly fight between Wolverine and Omega Red that Josh just draws the. Sh- out of it is so good it is so gnarly it oh is... my god it is brutal i i like read over it a couple of times there's sequences in here there's a moment before that where wolverine like pulls on his mask i don't want to give away what he does but like yeah. there's this moment and you just like your adrenaline starts pumping while you're reading oh, yeah. the book it just it's so good i think the two of them ben and josh at the height of their powers as storytellers they're just and, and like cohesive team of storytellers. Yes. You know, and I I think people will look back at this really, really fondly, seeing how they've built the X Force of it all into this Wolverine. And you know Wolverine versus Omega Red. That's a big deal. We get Gateway showing up, who
1: is one of my favorite mutants. That one shocked me. I did not expect him to just pop in like that. It's just like
0: it's like, hey man, he's still around. He still rules. He's not gonna talk to you. He doesn't care about you, but Mm. he's gonna do his thing. Love Gateway all the time travel stuff comes to a head and it still leads us forward into the big finale in X deaths that we're going to get next week. And the final page of this issue, if that does not get you ready for that uh, for next week, I don't know what will.
1: So exciting. That's it for our picks of the week this week. And next we got all these new fresh floppies to talk about. But before we do that, Ryan, are you ready to hear this week's award name? Yes, please. And thank you. All right. So this week's award name is the hey you with the antlers award
0: which is great it's a it's a good one i know exactly where it's from It's Uh, it's perfect i think people will have get a kick out of it when they read it in context so look forward to that i want to give shout outs to at lex pendragon and at mfer underscore comics michael and lex over there who have been really good about finding the quotes michael I threw out another offer for you. You want your your special goodie, hit me up. Because for those of you who find this quote, the first person to find this quote in the comics this week, you can uh, screencap it. You can tweet it to both myself, at Agent M, and to Jasmine, at Jasmineist, with the hashtag Marvel's Pull List. Or you can email us at pulllist at marvel.com. And if you're the first, as I said, maybe I'll send you a surprise thing. And so last week's, what was it from? The award
1: name was taken from a panel in X-Men issue number nine. And it's Magneto saying, I eat my meat rare as a reminder of the great cost of my survival. What a terrific Magneto line. I just want that on a t-shirt, you know?
0: That gets us our picks of the week, our quote, and our award name. So it is time to give out some awards. Jasmine why don't you go first
1: yes first up is avengers number 54 we are still in avengers forever except this time we're in our universe and we're seeing a little bit more of a showdown here we're starting to see new characters popping up new i guess variants of different types of heroes and villains that we haven't seen before and i want to give my hey you with the antlers award to both thor and echo because if you've been following the series for the past couple of months you've noticed that they've been butting heads a lot because thor just doesn't want to call echo an avenger like he he always is like no she's not an avenger no she's not an avenger and in this issue they become friends she finally gets the recognition that she deserves from thor but it comes at a very interesting cost i also want to give a special
0: shout out to the cover to avengers number 54 by javier garon because it does one of my favorite things that we don't do very often which is include a word balloon on the cover and they incorporate the word balloon into the title of the issue and it's it's a gorgeous cover like that would get me to buy the book off the stands even if i wasn't reading avengers so easily that's what you got to do that's that's the sales pitch right there sell someone with your cover good job team All right, up next is Carnage number one with uh, old Stabby Stabby himself, um, the Carnage symbiote. No Cletus Kasady for most of the issue, but I'm going to give my Hey, You Are the Antlers award to the backup story in this issue, which does feature Cletus Kasady, and it is written and drawn by people who have uh, some good knowledge of Carnage, David McElhinney and Ron Lim. So actually getting the classic creators back to tell new stories and Ron, Ron Lim always going to be one of my favorite artists, but like you wouldn't know that he's been drawing for like 40 years. Uh, He just looks so fresh, so new, so vibrant, even to this day. Damn good.
1: Next up we have Eternals Heretic issue number one. Okay. You and I just keep talking about the Eternals book and what Kieran Gillen is doing on this series. And it is, this book just is another issue that isn't in the main series, but it does tie into the main series Mm -hmm. and if you've been following along with what thanos has been doing in this series you definitely want to pick this up because if you thought last week's issue of eternals was like packed with thanos goodness this one is scary we start to learn a little bit more about the past that the eternals have and i want to give my hey you with the antlers award to a character who is introduced in this series for the first time i didn't think there was anybody i would be more afraid of than thanos but this guy
0: so good, uh, to the point where the the narrator of the Eternals comics is yeah. the quote-unquote the machine, so the representation of the Earth, so to speak. You have to know the Eternals, but just know that you have this omnipresent narrator that is very funny and very pithy. Kieran writes a it's really great narration throughout all these issues, and the narrator, <laughs> when they get to the point where they're going to meet this character, the narration goes, uh-oh nope 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 please no don't go down here Urgh. yeah i'm out sorry you can provide your own narration and an end ironic <laughs> commentary this guy scares the shit out of me and then yeah. the narration ends for and the issue
1: that was my favorite like it's it's one of those moments where you just like wait is he really gone and then by the time you're done with the issue you're like wow he was he actually left he's gone the machine's gone
0: Uh, A bunch of the art in this issue was created by Ryan Bodenheim, amazing artist who is no longer with us. Maybe the last piece of Marvel Comics art um, we have from from Ryan. So it's a great issue. If we were doing four picks this week, which we probably could have, this would have been up there without question. Yes. Um, all right, we've got two more books to tell you about. Up next is The Marvels number nine, uh, which is really digging into this whole uh, Forgotten War that's happening in Seen And I want to give my Hey You at the Antlers award to just Kurt Busick's history mm-hmm. uh, and, and like sense of scale for the Marvel Universe and, and time and, and placing characters in different places and the feeling of continuity. It just feels like. He's weaving new stories into the tapestry of the Marvel Universe that feels like we could have been reading them, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago without missing any beats.
1: Not only that, but also connecting characters that, like, Mm -hmm. I would never imagine would have been connected in in particular ways that are, you know, sprinkled across history. But also, I want to shout out the fact that we get Steve Rogers in his nomad costume in this issue. And anytime I get that, it's worth the cost of the book.
0: Yeah, it's... uh... That's that barrel a, chest? That's some Just, costume. It's the wow. a real deep V. Very deep V. All right, final book of the week is Star Wars: The Halcyon Legacy number 2. I'm going to detract hey you at the Antlers Award from all of Lucas and Star Wars and Disney for not inviting me onto the Star Wars Galactic <laughs> Star Cruiser that uh I know a lot of people who went, fellow podcasters and friends of mine who who went. I would have liked to gone and take the the two, three-day trip. That would have been super, super swell. <sighs> Nonetheless, no. the Halcyon Legacy comic that ties into the Galactic Star Cruiser ride has a character with a fabulous bright orange-red mustache. Will Sliney probably, like, looked at a picture of me because we've hung out many times and he has, like, a <laughs> bunch of pictures of me, I know, in his office. Obviously. So he probably just looked at the guy's mustache and said, I can't make it too much like Ryan, but I'm going to do a little bit. Like Ryan, but uh, on top of the great mustache, uh, we do get to see characters like Aura Singh and Zam Wessel, who I know a lot of hardcore Star Wars fans get very excited about.
1: That's it for the fresh floppies this week. So over on the MU side of things, we have a couple of Infinity Comics dropping this week. We have X-Men Unlimited Infinity Comic number 26. That's dropping on the 14th. Spider-Verse Unlimited Infinity Comic number one, which is dropping on the 16th. Life of Wolverine Infinity Comic number nine, which is dropping on the 17th. And then the ever amazing Marvel Meow Infinity Comic number two is dropping on the 18th. so good.
0: So good. You all should have Marvel Unlimited subscriptions. If nothing else... Than to read marvel meow but then you have other comics you can read on there including captain america iron man number one which drops this week which is real fun death of dr strange blade demon days x-men there's a creator's cut so you get a really fun version of that um and a big big entry into marvel unlimited this week devil's reign number one so if you've been holding off on reading that picking up from your local comic
1: shop or digitally now you can read it in mu you can also pick up some of these trades um, that are dropping this week in comic shops near you. We have the death of Dr. Strange and its companion. We also have Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, Team Spirit, which is a YA edition of a couple of different Kate Bishop stories. And then we have Brain of X volume 10, as well as Women of Marvel collection of books.
0: Hot dog. A lot of good stuff. And with fewer books out this week, hopefully everybody can catch up on their poll lists and get excited, read a lot of comics like Superior Spider-Man, because we are reading Superior Spider-Man, Superior Venom with actor Michael Boxleitner. Right now, we're going to be talking about uh, love of comics, of superheroes, and Michael's work on Marvel's Wastelanders Black Widow podcast, and so much more. Let's talk to Michael right now. (laughs) All right, Jasmine, it's now time to get superior with, I know, uh, a run of comics that you are a huge fan of. Yes, I am. And uh, I'm excited because we brought someone else who's a big fan of this as well. It is Michael Boxleitner. Michael, hello. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Hello, hello, hello.
1: Thanks for joining us.
0: Yeah, very exciting. Um, We're going to talk about, obviously, your work doing some Marvel stuff with Marvel's Wastelanders, Black Widow, and we'll talk about a whole bunch more, but... First things first, Michael, gotta know. Give us your background history with Marvel Comics. Were you a comic book reader as a kid? And if so, did you have a local comic shop? Break it down for us.
2: So I'm the youngest of four siblings, and we're all about six years apart. I got a good majority of my comic book knowledge and appreciation from them, alongside like movie appreciation, horror movies, all that jazz. I didn't start getting into comic books specifically until I was... Uh, a little bit older and the internet was both invented and I had access to it because I, I, a lot of the, the comic books that I did get were hand downs from my siblings. As a kid, didn't read a lot of things in order. I was obsessed with the movies. I was obsessed with the video games. As a kid, like the Spider-Man 2 video game will always be yes. near and dear to my heart. Speaking of Spider-Man, I was particularly obsessed with Spider-Man and anything to do with spider man since like the first movie came out and i you know tom holland's a great spider man he's a great peter parker toby maguire will always be my spider man though
1: michael tell us about how your like obviously how, how this role came to be on marvel's wastelanders black widow and i guess what i'm curious to know is like how your love of comics kind of fit into this
2: so i was introduced to this podcast as a temporary reader for the first initial drafts of like the, the I think the first three episodes. And I was cast as Jordan in the podcast. I was the male lead. I got that on like a wing and a prayer. I did not expect to even be getting like cast as that. And I was like, Yeah, okay, this is awesome. Dream come true. Yeah, sure, it's temporary, whatever. I'm only showing up for a day for maybe two hours to go through the first three episodes, but this is still incredible. Uh, I didn't end up getting it, and I was like, okay. But I got called back to be Marco Mamorado, the chunky, <laughs> I guess we could call him lab rat experiment man. Which I was like, okay, what? Yeah, uh, I said yes before I could even like process <laughs> what was <laughs> what was going on in my head. I was like, uh, yeah, yes, yes, and yes, and I, yeah, yes. Um, luckily knowing like what you know extremis is and kind of uh understanding the weight of everything that was established in the marvel wastelanders timeline i was able to use that in my own performance as marco to kind of just trying to help bring everything to life more and this was my first foray into voice acting so i I had to try and step up to the challenge of painting a perfect picture for the listener. All of this has really just been like a dream come true. And really, I'm just trying to manifest through all of this that I'm going to be Spider-Man someday. Um, (laughs) 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 Like multiverse is confirmed in the MCU. Uh, There's infinite possibilities. So like, I don't know. We'll see. I am such a huge Spider-Man fan that I really am not kidding when I say that I'm wearing Spider-Man underwear. Like it's... (laughs) it's real my 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 girl like i have a spider-man coffee cozy with me that my girlfriend's mom made me that's pretty cool get this 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 is way cooler my girlfriend had these custom made for my birthday she got me custom made red high top converse with the uh the spider-man logos on the side and my name on the back of each shoe so i am uh I'm in it to win it with, the, with Spider-Man. <laughs> as well you should Spider-Man. be. I
0: mean, look, Spider-Man officially, uh, we've stated this before, I'll state it again, the greatest character in all of fiction. Yes, yes, uh, thank
2: you. Oh, You know,
0: yes. obviously we are an official Marvel podcast and so we're a little bit biased, but he is the greatest character in all of fiction and we are going to celebrate a little bit of Spider-Man here uh, as we delve deeper into this reading club talking about Superior Spider-Man and the Superior Venom arc. Um, I was surprised because usually, you know, someone will pull in and say, Hey, I want to talk about this. And I want to talk about like the intro arc, which is great, which is always fun. But then when we go like, okay, we're going to go, you know, two years into the story and dive right in. I was like, let's do it. That's a bold choice. Uh, why did you choose this, Michael?
2: One of my favorite anti-heroes was Venom symbiote specifically. And I also do love Eddie Brock and the ultimate universe, Eddie Brock, like, always going to be my favorite host of the symbiotes. But I chose this arc in particular just because I wanted to explore more of like this new version of Spider-Man. Otto Octavius is now in Spider-Man's body. He is Spider-Man. He's trying to be the new superior Spider-Man. I think it's a pivotal moment for him as this new person being corrupted by the Venom symbiote the same way that Peter Parker was. It's his whole journey Despite the massive differences in how he goes about trying to be a superior Spider-Man to Peter Parker, there's still this kind of mirror reflection of various events happening to him. And this, him eventually being corrupted by the Venom symbiote and going on massive rampage and also having his personality being affected by it, I thought was a great parallel to Peter Parker's own and corruption when he first wore the black suit. And all of Superior Spider-Man in its entirety was so cool to me as a kid.
1: From beginning to end, loved the entire thing. Where did this story take place in your comic book history reading?
0: And Were you reading this as it was coming out?
1: No, no. I had read it by the
2: time it had finished. So I was about, I think, 17 when I had discovered it. And I just became obsessed with it. Like the villain stepping into a superhero's shoes and trying to be a better version of a superhero. I'm like, come on, that's so cool, especially for Spider-Man. How does someone come up with these ideas for a guy that got bit by a radioactive spider? And then all of a sudden it jumps from that to him switching bodies with one of his longest time villains and then technically dying. And then later in, the, you know, in Goblin Nation coming back, it was so cool to me. It brought such a fresh perspective to Spider-Man from the perspective of Otto, you know?
1: I agree with that a lot. I read it as it was coming out and it hit at a particular time for me where I was in college and I remember there was like a weird time in between high school and college where like mm-hmm. I just didn't read comics because I couldn't afford to spend the money on them. Right. Also right. because there was no comic shop on campus and around like my junior year, I had a car so I could finally go to the comic shop. I went there and I remember walking into the shop and being like, give me one Spider-Man, please. Because that's like, that was always my go-to. <laughs> <Give me it. laughs> I picked up the first two issues of Superior and, like, the comic shop owner was like, here's where Spider-Man's currently at. Yeah. It's actually Doc Ock. And I'm like, what? W- like, wh- what happened? And he was just like, comics. And I'm like, <laughs> you're not wrong. And I remember just being like, you know what? I'm going to keep an open mind and see where this goes. And man, I was there like every other week picking up that book. Oh, yeah. Like you said, it gives a fresh perspective on who Peter is. Yeah. But I think the thing that I love about it the most, it really emphasizes how much Spider-Man books aren't just about Peter Parker. Right, right. He's got such a huge ensemble of friends and family and like obviously villains Mm -hmm. and like how much they play a role in his life. All these issues aren't just Peter Parker's issues. They're like his family's issues. Yeah, yeah. And I love that in this, and especially in this particular arc, it shines. Yeah, like you you get to know more about May Parker. Mary Jane steps in. Yeah, um, you have Carly Cooper. You have Yuri Watanabe. Mm-hmm. Flash Thompson comes on. Yeah. Like, yeah,
2: that was huge for me because being a Venom fan, I also loved Agent Venom mm-hmm. so much, and I love that it was Flash Thompson, Peter Parker's bully in high school, becomes like this awesome covert Avenger. I love that so much. So to see him show up in this, I flip my lid.
0: All of Dan Slott's Spider-Man is very special yes. to me just because I saw him come together as I was at Marvel. So watching, wow. you know, and and- i really really adore his run on spidey with that said let's get our writers and our credits here it's written by dan Slott and christos gage pencils by umberto ramos with some work by javier rodriguez and marcos martin in issue number 26 which we may touch on but umberto does what umberto does y'all he is so good uh colors over umberto uh by edgar delgado with some by Antonio Fabella with some extra colors in 24, 25 and 26 inks by Victor Olazaba letters by uh, your pal and mine Chris Eliopoulos, and then edited by uh, he who has passed on from this Marvel coil, Mr. Steven Wacker, Marvel also Cole. Ellie Pyle, our, uh, our Pyle. very own Ellie. There's a lot of really cool, as you were saying, Jasmine, really great spotlights on Spidey supporting cast in mm-hmm. here. Uh, you got, of course, Peter Parker, long-time supporting cast members such as May, MJ. This reminded me how much I love Jay Jameson. Yeah. JJJ's uh, father who was married to May and that whole thing. And then my, Yeah, my heart mm. broke again when I just like went through this whole circle of emotions remembering mm. him. Anna Marie, who I love. I love. I forgot how much I loved her. Yeah, she was um, this Peter Parker, Otto's Peter Parker Mm -hmm. they were in love they were OTP and it was so great he still wins her over and she sees him for the better man he is and can be it's just there's so many great elements
2: there and it makes Otto so much more human than supervillain than what Mm -hmm. we've been accustomed to and I love little instances where like there's still kind of the Peter Parker quirkiness like a, a little quip Now and then, maybe that's like a part of Peter Parker's consciousness starting to manifest again and coming back or like hints of it. But there's still kind of like that
1: little flair to everything. It's like his insults, his insults are pretty much like his quips. Yeah. And they can be read as a quip. And I love that. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: It's like, I often think back about this run and I'm like, out of all the villains, you chose Otto Octavius, like you could have chosen Norman. You could have chosen Vulture. You could have whoever. And you decided to go with this one. It makes sense to some degree.
2: Yeah, it's very obscure, like an obscure pull to make in terms of like all of Spider-Man's rogues gallery. There are so mm-hmm. many people to choose from, but I think that's what makes it even more special is it's it's shedding light on a, on a character that we wouldn't have the chance to know so much about and get to see so flushed out. But I think that also as like a writer gives you so much more room to play with a character that's a little more obscure because not everything is set in stone. There's all these new avenues of exploration for Otto now that he has this amazing opportunity and capitalizes on it in some pretty twisted ways, but he capitalizes on it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting as we talk about, you know, Oh, Otto, it's such a strange choice. Then you step back and you think that's one of the many reasons why Spider-Man is so amazing is that he has such an incredible rogues gallery Mm -hmm. so many villains who are iconic who can be credible threats who have evolved and changed and can fit into all these different places and you think of probably most people think of Norman Osborn as Spidey's you know main main villain but even Norman has gone through so much and and Mm -hmm. has been so many different things and Otto's up there and you know you've, you've got characters that on various different tiers it's it's just remarkable. Once again, greatest character in all of fiction.
2: Oh, the best. oh the I best.
0: love it. Yeah. You know, I, I'm pretty sure William Shakespeare was going to write a Spider-Man story, but then it, he yeah.
2: was, it was right. It was right about to happen. There's, I'm sure there's texts out there that we just haven't found or haven't been completely translated into uh, the first Spider-Man.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, well, we have Marvel 1602. I th- I think Shakespeare shows up right at the end there. If I remember correctly, <laughs> no. and there is Spider-Man in there. So there's a connection. I win everybody. Uh, <laughs> let's get back into the story. Uh, the first issue of that. We're talking about is superior Spider-Man number 22. Uh, we got Flash Thompson as agent venom. He's getting into some business. We get crime master showing up in this, which is again, a very low tier, super low say. tier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Spidey villain, but still cool. Got a great look super fun we've got really fun little bits as we're starting to establish the side characters showing up throughout this arc a little bit of jonah a little bit of may and jay a wonderful scene with otto pete and anna marconi mm-hmm. anna marie which jazz i'm sure you like that one
1: they were like under what underwater kind of like in an aquarium they were a, yeah like a bioluminescent
2: experimental aquarium
1: yeah what are they doing wrestling something <laughs> i like it yeah
0: they were having sex, Jasmine.
1: Oh, uh, see, I didn't read it that way. No. I thought they were just trying to get lower to, like, maybe there's oh, some they were other lower. Don't worry about fish that, that <laughs> way <that> they could <laughs> see. You know, like, they were peeking down. Yes.
0: Uh, anyway, get back on track. We get uh, just a cool bit where we see, if you're just jumping into this series, this version of, of Spider-Man with Otto in charge He's got henchmen. He's, like, operating in a lot of ways like he would traditionally. So he's got his Spider-Man henchmen. He's got cool robots and gadgets and tech. It's it's a whole lot of fun. I think that is part of the fun that Dan and Christos and Umberto and the crew were having because they could make up all kinds of fun stuff for Spider-Man to play with, mm-hmm. to do, cool new costume. There's just, like, there's a shot in here, a big, almost half-page panel of superior spider-man putting on gauntlets that he had his henchmen bring to him i just dig that oh it's so cool aspect he's like you know getting ready it's fun stuff
1: it makes you think about like someone like iron man where it's like you have an industry you Mm -hmm. have money you have employees who are willing to work for you like why don't superheroes have henchmen like that just sounds efficient
2: exactly yeah you can have eyes all around the city you can you can stop crime at a much faster efficient rate yeah why why not
0: Uh, But by the end of this issue, we get our superior Spider-Man and Flash Thompson, Agent Venom coming together. And it is it gets pretty intense for our pal Flash. Some some
2: say it could get uh, pretty heated.
0: Yeah, uh, because there's a cool fight scene. But ultimately, superior is superior here. Uh, Michael, mm-hmm. as a fan of of all the Venom stuff, how do you feel about all the way this goes down?
2: Uh, it made me feel really sad. <laughs> <laughs> I lo- like, because I I've always really loved the duality of the symbiote and its hosts, and I love Flash Thompson as a host. I love that he's a fan of Spider-Man. I love that he's trying to communicate with Otto here with Spider-Man not knowing that it's Otto, of course. They trying so hard to be a good guy with this venom symbiote and to see him get his butt totally whooped for the most part. It makes me sad also because it just, you can kind of see that Otto Pete is going down darker and darker and darker roads. And it makes you scared. Like, can he really come back from this? Is he going to come back from it? Especially like if you haven't read the later issues, he keeps going down this dark road of being so merciless and just wanting a reason to kill Flash Thompson and to kill the Symbiote. Oh, yes. He's not asking for the sake of like being a hero. He wants to execute
1: this guy. What? And like Ugh. yeah. He's like looking for like any subtle reason to just Anything. act on it. And the other thing too is like that you were kind of talking about the history but like Flash Thompson's biggest hero is Spider-Man. Yeah. He's in this situation about to get executed by his favorite hero like that is just crushing it's
2: tragic it's so tragic and you know what he still holds on to like his idol of spider-man even after the fight you don't really see him lose faith in spider-man so much until
1: a little bit later and that takes us to the next issue we end at the beginning of the fight the next issue starts the the majority of the fight and that's where we kind of see how flash manages to get away Mm -hmm. um but i love this issue because the biggest star in this issue is brunch um who doesn't (laughs) love brunch uh but may and jay invite peter to have brunch peter asks to bring his girlfriend and anna maria is like i want to make food like i want to impress them so what does she do she makes wheat cakes because Mm -hmm. she finds a recipe in peter's apartment and the scene alone where like she introduces the wheat cakes to the table and jay's like these are really good like he's like genuinely surprised (laughs) yeah Yeah. she's so mad (laughs) she's She's like yeah because
2: she improved upon the wheat cake recipe
1: yes yes and then she starts explaining like what she did to it and you could just see the expression on may's face she's just like you've tainted my wheat cakes oh Oh,
0: poor may that whole scene though
1: is so real like you could have the sweetest
0: person in the world, but then this unexpected hostility towards mm-hmm. a potential daughter-in-law. Like, what's going on? What are you doing with my kid? What I have questions, and then this whole thing, and they're like, "May, what are you doing?" This, and yeah. she's just like, "I've just got. I'm just asking quite, and You're like, "The hell is going on?" It is a very real interaction there. I was Absolutely.
2: Like, wow. The last thing you want to see is even if it's Otto, like Peter Parker's body getting into a fight with Aunt May. That's just tragic, but it is very real. Peter's love for Anna Maria shining so brightly that he would stick up for her to Aunt May really makes me feel a lot of empathy for Otto. As we've said before, like I wouldn't be empathetic to Otto in any other instance Mm
1: -mm.
2: outside of him being Peter.
1: Yeah.
0: There's also a great Otto, Anna-Marie moment earlier in the issue where they're on the phone and talking about the brunch, setting things <laughs> up, and she's like, I better get started right now, kissy kissy, and we get a panel of <laughs> Superior Spider-Man completely embarrassed but so head over heels in love, and Alberto yeah. draws little hearts around his head, kissy kissy, <laughs> and it's just-
1: It's like the embodiment of like getting butterflies in your stomach, but- Seen on yeah. a page, and I'm just like, yes, I love that. And he's I mean like that. in
2: front of his subordinates, mm-hmm. acting all high and mighty. And now he has to you know—he said that in front of his subordinates, who are like supposed to be somewhat
1: terrified of him.
2: So I, I love,
1: I love that. Going back to the brunch scene, the way that that ends, I think, was kind of clever because. It's one of the things I really liked about this book is, like, there's always two things happening at the same time, mm-hmm. and Dan's really good about balancing them, but also making it so that you forget that there's this other thing happening here. It's very much just like the, like, magician sleight of hand thing where it's like, oh, here, look over here, but also the trick is over here yeah. in this other hand, and Peter just, like fed up i have in my notes that he was hangry because he didn't finish his brunch but fair flash thompson is there like yeah he's in the middle of this like brunch table like watching <laughs> all of this unfold and he's just like this poor guy. completely <laughs> silent like maybe i should leave and peter's like no, you're my like scapegoat let's go to my lab and i want to show you these cybernetic legs that i've been working on for you and again it goes back to the balance thing like not only is that him getting out of that conversation and the awkward and the hostile conversation, but also it's like setting up to the next plot point in the story, which is Otto knows that flash is, has the symbiote. So Mm -hmm. he's going to try to take it from him. And he, that's what he does.
0: Two things that the team sets up in here. One that will pay off sooner. One that pays off later. One is that we see Miguel O'Hara. Yeah. Yeah. Minor little role in here. So Spider-Man 2099 is just like, hi, um, Michael O'Mara <laughs> uh, which is tremendous so that happens and then we also get the capture of Carly Cooper in mm-hmm. here um, which sets up some stuff for her that will will go on over the next couple of issues and later on into the run which is great it's like you you've got this cool story but there's also seven other plates being spun at any yeah, time
2: it's all building up to a massive climax towards the end of the run that is my all-time favorite Spider-Man moments in Spider-Man comic book history, which is way, 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 way later. But it's all going to come together at some point. It's just mm-hmm. we're, we're waiting for the other shoe to fall.
1: That last page in this issue, once Otto extracts the symbiote from Flash Thompson, like, that was mean. Yeah. That was so mean. So, like, he's it just was like, heartless. Yeah. He takes it, and the symbiote actually breaks from the container and overtakes Superior Spider-Man mm-hmm. and that last page where you see Superior Venom is so sick. Oh. Um I'm like you, like I I've read Spider-Man like my whole life mm-hmm. and I've never seen a Venom like this. Yeah. And it's so fun to see how it manifests on Otto Octavius as Peter Parker cuz it could have just been another black suit, oh, right? Of but it's massive, it's gross, it's scary. Yeah, um, I love how scary it looks.
0: Yeah, so that brings us into issue 24. As uh, we get, one of the fun things is Otto trying to wrestle with the symbiote. He's, you know, it is a very intense personality, and it, it does a lot. And so he he sort of shifts back and forth between full control and, like, letting the monster take over. But it's also pushing him a little bit further. Also mm-hmm. gives him a great excuse for any bad stuff he does. Yeah. Uh, or says. <laughs>
1: well, like... He's just like, yeah, that explains why I've been weird this whole time. Yeah. Because I'm a villain because the symbiote, obviously. He, clearly, totally.
2: It's the symbiote's fault. I didn't do it. The symbiote made me do it. Oh, he looks so monstrous, though. Everything's like, so uneven. And, yeah. yeah. It's strange, but I love it.
1: So there's a scene where Mary Jane runs because we find out that uh, Captain Watanabe has been working on tracking down where Carly Cooper has been. She's obviously gone missing. And... She approaches Mary Jane in the previous issue, and Mary Jane plays a message where a voicemail from Carly that's pretty much saying, like, stay away from Peter Mm -hmm. um, and keep May and Jay away from Peter. Keep them safe. So in this issue, we see Mary Jane pretty much bolting over to their apartment to try to make sure that they're okay and not interacting with Peter. But Peter beats her to it. Also, before this, Peter was talking to Anna Maria he sees how hurt she is Mm. so he goes back to the apartment and he's yelling at at may again and mj just coming in like a total boss and being like peter stop being an (laughs) come here we're gonna talk about this let's go talk about it in the balcony and when he shifts into the 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 superior venom it's creepy and like also just done in a very like cold way Mm -hmm. when you see him next to mary jane on that balcony you're just his sheer size alone it's
2: so scary (laughs) i can't imagine being in that situation
0: but i mean also that reaction that no not again and yeah Yeah. just the the ptsd the odd like the very real horror that she has gone through at the hands of venom time and again especially completely unexpected Mm -hmm. it's it's a nightmare uh, I do want to give a shout out to two beefcake boys in this issue, 2 uh, <laughs> bare chested men that get a little bit of a shine in here. Of course, we got Flash, but also Cardiac, Dr. Wortham. Mm, Wortham? Yeah, Wortham yeah, I think. Wortham. Yeah. Wortham, yeah. The two of them just looking so swole oh, as yeah. they're getting, <laughs> uh, getting worked on at uh, at Parker Industries. Just love that. We get a little bit of beefcake. Never hurt nobody.
1: Never hurt nobody. Nope. Yeah. We were talking about Menace in last, mm-hmm. last week's reading club and we were talking about how she appeared in, in hobgoblins axis but also like her original appearance in dan slott's spider-man run but here we see her again mm-hmm. and i totally forgot that she was in this book yeah um and we see her again alongside carly cooper who's pretty much being kept hostage by the goblin gang um it's norman osborne phil Yurk, and menace and yeah. seeing her kind of like almost like trying to take harley cooper under her wing as like her apprentice it just reminded me a lot it of is. star wars with like the sith lord yeah, and you're like yeah. like here's your mask and not only are we going to give you the, the the goblin serum but here's your like your garb and like you can be just as creepy yeah. and yeah they gave her her name mm. so she's monster so it's monster and menace you you say give
0: but give. yeah she is tied down <laughs> And Norman literally has a spray bottle of goblin juice. And he's like, this is going to be great. And he sprays it in her. (laughs) It is so violating. Yeah. It is scary, but Mm -hmm. you know, because of the bright colors and everything, Mm -hmm. you can sort of like absorb it as, you know, just normal comic book stuff. But just the, the scene of this woman who is helpless asking for help, asking her friend to stop this. And then this nightmare man who is just awful, who has murdered so many people takes this and sprays it in her face and then laughs about it it is is really messed up and then she becomes then forever
1: like, changed Ooh. she becomes monster yeah it's and then it's, you see her like skin almost like boiling you yeah see, like, the, the like bubbles on her skin it's just like
2: ugh. i do like nope. how I, I appreciate that like when green goblin is using the uh when osborne's using like the serum on other people like it doesn't just make them look exactly like him there are distinct differences In all of them, which I I love that so much.
1: I also love that they have just, like, a catalog of masks to wear. Yeah. In in their underground bunker. Like, there was, like, what, eight masks (laughs) that were just hanging on the wall? And they were just like, take your pick. Like, welcome (laughs) to the family, like you were saying. Yes.
0: All that really leads us to the Avengers popping up and being like, we should do something about Mm -hmm. some somethings. Yeah. And uh, gets us to a big issue number 25 of Superior Spider-Man with... The Avengers versus Superior Venom oh, as he's so going cool. by in here. It's
2: so cool.
0: It is a big old throwdown. You get lots of looks. The Iron Man armor is that, like, gold and brownish and black armor, uh, mm-hmm. which is rad. Captain America has his cool a different kind of helmet that he had during that period, which I really dig that one.
1: Also bulky. He's very bulky. Oh, yeah, he's really he gonna,
0: I love it. And draws a very, very thick Captain America. In a thick boy.
1: Thick boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: A lot of goo in this issue, too. Like, Superior Venom is just gooey all over.
2: Monstrous goo. Mm-hmm. I'm about it.
0: The big sort of culmination of the fight happens when there's a little switcheroo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Flash, surprise, he's in Iron Man's armor. And he's like, give me back my daughter. I mean, give me back my <laughs> suit. And he grabs the suit <laughs> with a little help from Peter Parker, which is really yes. great. Little skosh. Uh, literally just like spirit Peter Parker or, or psychological Peter Parker deep inside. It's clearly uh,
1: his, his Jedi. Hologram. Yes. 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 Projected
2: self. His, his force yeah.
1: ghost. Yeah. 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 His force ghost. Yeah. <laughs> Flash Thompson reuniting with, with a uh, venom is very akin to like the Mando Grogu reunion uh, where it's like, but except uh-oh. instead of it being super sweet and like, Oh, they're finally back together. It's just like, give me back my venom. And it's just like, completely swallowing him up and it's just like all gross and violent well
0: but it's also kind of tender there's the big page where he says come here it's okay you were confused yeah. come home we need each other we belong together as agent venom everything's gonna be all right now <laughs> like the 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 word balloons change color which is a very yeah. effective thing shout out chris Eliopoulos, the goat Simple little things like that work really, really well.
2: It kind of shines on Flash's own relationship with the Venom symbiote even more. I love the way that he speaks to it. He speaks, he's like trying to empathize with it now that they're like, this essentially one, they're the same being, like he can't live without it. And maybe it can't live without him for now. I love how just how consistently painful it looks to have a symbiote ripped off of you. Like, ow. That looks oh, but like it makes sense that you know it's bonded to you as a being, but still like ow! (laughs) like (laughs) Peter's face being like scrunched up by all that symbiote goo.
1: do you think Peter like as the venom symbiote is like being torn off of him, do you think it works like wax? Like where he's just like no longer has eyebrows? He's just like (laughs) like his body hair is just gone. All his body hair is gone. (laughs) He's just like whew, smooth. Yeah, smooth (laughs) as a baby's bottom
0: my favorite bit of this whole thing is like Otto doing the calculations like how do i make a yeah. win out of this right i'm gonna lie yeah. and so he's like ah thank you Very everyone my friends it's been months it's not been months he's like ah but it has <laughs> and he's like dun 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 it's a great last beat for that part of the story there's a great arc really fun arc S-
2: fun. super fun yeah i just love this whole arc so much I love Superior Venom's look, how terrifying he is, how terrifying it must have been to, as Mary Jane to see Venom again, but like in this form. Oh, this poor woman has been through so much.
0: Um, I do want to touch real quick on 26, just because you've got Umberto's art in here for some great goblin stuff. Javier Rodriguez's, yes. As Norman sort of takes on the, he's like, Wipes the slate, says, I'm the Goblin King, gives uh, wedgies to everyone else. And everybody's like, yay, Osborne, you're the best. But yeah, Javier Rodriguez taking on the Superior Spider-Man and Avengers panels and pages. There's one big page where you get to see all the Avengers powers spotlighted in different panels coming out from the corner. Like, I love Javi so much. He gets a, a wonderful time to shine in this and Marcos Martin Mm -hmm. getting to draw some of the the Mindscape stuff, which is actually Mm. super crucial emotional and character beats for the rebuilding of and return of Peter Parker. So 26 is definitely an epilogue to the big story before it, but it also has a lot of juicy, juicy moments. So everybody who's going to read this, I would say definitely check out 26 as well.
1: I remember when I was reading this as it was coming out, Dan Slott and the team would give us like little breadcrumbs Mm -hmm. of like Peter Parker's Mindscape, and you would just be like, Oh, like is he gonna come back next issue? Like what's what's gonna happen? And you wouldn't see it for another couple issues, and he just kept you on your toes. And I remember seeing this one, and I'm like, oh, this is big. It's, like he actually
2: interfered. Yeah, like he's he's really there. Peter Parker isn't gone, but he's not completely back either.
1: And he even says something along the lines of like, I shouldn't blow my cover just yet. Like, let me let me sit here and try to figure out how I can plan my next attack. Because if Otto finds out, like he's gonna just purge me again. Yeah. Oh, I love it. There we go. There
0: is Superior Spider-Man, the Superior Venom arc. Michael, thank you for getting us to read this again. This was a hoot and a holler and and pretty damn cool.
2: Thank you so much for having me, you guys. This was so much fun. I love being able to geek out about Spider-Man and Venom. I don't get enough chances to.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us. Where can uh, people find more of you on the internets?
2: uh you i mean you can find me on facebook and instagram i also just recently did my first principal role in a tv show so i will be Ooh. on a i i i don't know if i could talk about it right away but i will <laughs> <laughs> i will be on a show on cbs that involves the police that is as much as i think i'm allowed to say <laughs> but uh police
0: cops coming to cbs this fall I can't
2: wait <laughs> yeah. Yes. But let it be known the world will be seeing a lot more of me in the future. Great. We look forward to it. Awesome. Thanks so much, you guys. This was so much fun.
0: Thanks, Michael. Appreciate
2: you. Big
0: thanks once again to Michael Boxleitner for coming on the show, for chatting with us. Uh, so let's wrap it up because this episode of Marvel's Pull List was produced by Ryan Panagos, Jasmine Estrada, and Kara
1: Bagurk allison Jill Duboff is our director of audio.
0: And Brad Barton is Marvel's Pull List, senior manager of audio production and development. And, you know, he actually was on trial once as well. He had gone through this whole thing and they, they were doing the same type of thing to him. They were like, mm-hmm. You keep interfering and, and we gotta have a trial for you. And they pulled his eyelids open and they said, What if Brad Barton never ate a sandwich? And uh, it was that. Like, changes so much. It, like, honestly, it was kind of devastating.
1: That's a foundational treat.
0: We call them old sandwich hands, Brad Barton. We Martin. sure
1: do. I'm Ryan. I'm Jasmine. And this is Marvel, your universe.